0: All right. So first of all, shout out to the city of Los Angeles, city of champions this year. Our shout Dodger out baby.
1: Shout out to all the haters like you, boy. Our
0: Dodger baby. And did you see Baez pitch in the game? Did you yes, see he pitch in the game? He didn't give up a run. <laughs> I uh, I got to apologize to the guy, but um, this week I just—it's a special episode. Um, I just want to dive right into it. We've got Jelana Oliveira on, and she is a mentor of mine that I met about a year and a half ago. Um, when I was searching for the current job that I have, and uh, I also introduced her to Christian uh, about a month and a half ago. She is the founder of the Athleta Organization, and she has a very decorated background from a master's degree at a very high level uh, from Indiana, and she also has won a few competitions, which she'll speak about in the episode she's been on ted talks um i really don't know how else to describe her than the most fearless and incredible woman that i have ever had a chance to speak with and be in the same room as and am lucky to uh, continue a working day-to-day relationship with her today
1: yeah i mean the most honestly i haven't had as many interactions as you mason but honestly i can say one of the most amazing humans so down to earth and so accomplished Person that I've ever met. She's a beast. I'm excited. Let's get it. Shake and bake.
0: Shake and bake.
2: Hey, hey.
0: What's up, hey, Can you
1: hear us?
2: All right. What's going on? Yeah, I can hear you great. How Do are you, you guys?
0: We're doing well. How's that? It's awesome. You look fantastic. You went to the gym this morning and then got all ready. <laughs> I, you I did. Nice. You know what?
2: So here's here was my move this morning. I was like, look, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do like a, um, a barbell strength, like set series or whatever. Then I'm going to do yoga. Then I'm going to hit the steam room. Then I'm going to like slowly, like get ready. Then I'm going to eat kale. <laughs> So this is the product of all those things, that thank is, you for saying so.
0: This is a successful Sunday.
2: <laughs> it's so far, so good. So far, so good, right? I got it going pretty early, Well, right?
0: Yeah, and so, Jelana, I just want to know, I, I've known you for about just over a year now, right? Or a little mm-hmm. bit longer, maybe? A
2: little over. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I mean, I know a lot about our day-to-day lives, which we'll get into, but I've never really gotten to ask you a lot about your background and... um oh. Okay. I'm sure people throughout listening to this will start to realize, Mm -hmm. you know, the successes you've had and and how impressive (laughs) you are, which I always tell people when I get the chance, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I just kind of want to know, you know, the path, the the path to getting this far and and being this successful at a pretty young age.
2: Yeah. Well, I would say um, my path started out certainly rather interestingly. Um, So, Parents are from two different worlds. My mother is from the Midwest. My father is from the Caribbean. And oh. so as a kid, I kind of grew up bouncing between two very different cultures, yeah. like super different cultures. <laughs> and um, I was actually born in San Juan. Uh, so right <laughs> by the, right, 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 San Juan, Puerto Rico, right there on the water in the little Presbyterian hospital. So that was my start. <laughs> that was my start. But um, we didn't live in San Juan too too long. Uh, I think we were. I think we lived there less than five, six years. Uh, my grandmother, this would be my mother's mother, so my um, my Midwest grandmother, uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was really small, and the care in Puerto Rico was not um, up to par. Right. You know, there just there isn't as <coughs> yeah. much there. So we moved back, um, to the Midwest and, uh, and, and kind of started life again. I mean, I remember like, I have little memories of, of different parts of living in Puerto Rico as a really small child, but, you know, honestly, your memories start when you're around seven. So I can, I can sadly say that I didn't get as much time there as I I was, as I would have liked, (laughs) but, um, but it definitely has shaped who I am. I think in my my fearlessness comes from my Latin background. I think that's for sure. I don't know how else to say it because Midwest humans by nature are a little bit more conservative.
3: Right. You
2: know, um, they kind of play it by the rules. It's kind of, you know, risk, risk, you know, risk mitigation type right. role models. But um, so my mother is definitely the nurturing, um, you know, cohesive rock of our family. And my father was always the risk taker. In in our family, so interestingly enough, my father um, ended up um, going through his master's and getting it at Indiana because of the move, uh, which is ironically why I ended up getting my master's in Indiana. (laughs) So that's kind of a fun little little fun fact. Uh, Ended up he actually ended up coaching um, as a swim coach. Uh, So my father was a um, a a college swimmer. Mm -hmm. He's a distance swimmer. Um, but he ended up coaching. And then as was so a kid, I can remember being around a lot of athletes, a lot of a lot of pool time, you know, yeah. early, early morning stuff. And um, and then as we uh, started to expand our family. So I'm the eldest of four. So I, that definitely puts me in the spot where everything was my fault when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was always I was, you know, I either needed to do something because that's just, that's just how it is when you're like the eldest of four humans and they're all, um, you know, a little strong willed, like somebody has got to rein them in. And I wasn't the rein. I wasn't the, I wasn't the one to rein them in. I was like, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) So, so that wasn't my, 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 my my style. But, um, when I, when I turned 16, my father felt he was, um, called to be a pastor. And so we moved, um, right around that time, um, uh, to Chicago and my father pastored a church like right down in this in like the inner city this is before gentrification this is before all the urbanization right. of the city you know this would have been Amazing. um yeah this would have been like you know we're talking like you know 90s Chicago <laughs>
3: right
2: and um and so uh we were right down by the bull stadium like this was like in the the era of MJ like when they win, when they were winning all of, like all of the I know
0: Christians <laughs> really jealous yeah, right that's now. Sick. That's right? sick to be in, in that in that environment. Yeah. That's sick.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, part of the interesting dichotomy of being, you know, in a multicultural family, kind of raised more in the Midwest with that Latin background, you know, that spicy Latin background. And then mm-hmm. Now, finding that I'm like a pastor's kid, right? I was like, whoo, I am just a fish out of water on so many <laughs> levels. <laughs>
0: it's a big change,
2: yeah, it is. It is so, um, so part of our or part of the my early upbringing really was uh, centered um more and more around faith as my father kind of found that path and. Uh, an inter- uh, you know kind of a a side note to that, and this could be a little bit of the combination of being Latin and then having you know a very um kind of religious uh upbringing or transformation mm-hmm. happening um it was very unacceptable for me to just leave home and go do whatever I wanted to do like that's just not the way things worked
1: and no it seems so that that's i mean that seems like how you are now right no okay. way, no oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, way.
2: Yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because I really felt like it took me a long time to, to be okay with being that kind of person hmm. because it was not a part of my, um, my social structure, you know, my family structure. Yeah. Uh, so as a, uh, you know, as a graduate of high school, so I went to this, I went to this, I finished school at this very religious, like, um, academy. Um, and then my uh, parents enrolled me in another very religious school, which I choked down for two years. And, and then I figured out, okay, looks like the only way I can really start to be myself is um, there were just a couple of options. One was, uh, one was get married. Um, the other was become a missionary or, or the third was like, um, like, you know, become a teacher, teach Sunday school, like yeah. that sort of thing, like be a religious teacher. And I was like, well, oh, this is not, you know, this is <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> but, um, but I met, um, during that time I met who is the father of my three sons okay. during that time. And so, In uh, I was, um, I actually met him through that whole network of my dad's, you know, uh, pastoring experience, but, um, he was a, he was an Indiana kid. He was a Midwest uh, kid. Thanks. Um, so, uh. So we, I was just, uh, uh, just under 20 when we, we got engaged and just over uh, 20 when we got married. So I started life. Jumped right into it. Right. 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 And I had just choked down two years of religious school, like post high school, religious school and was like, whew, I can't do any more of that. Like that is not (laughs) going to need to be a wife now. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. what was i thinking but you know i think part of it was kind of this out of the frying pan into the fire experience like there was a weird part of that whole exposure that taught me some things about myself and that was that um inherently i didn't want to disappoint my parents
0: mm-hmm. and no but one ever does i think right.
2: no and and that's so hard terrible feeling but, yeah uh, it is, and I think what I recognized, you know, as I as I kind of work through all these all these different experiences, is that when we are focused on who we really are, uh, we're really never going to disappoint anybody. Because even if they don't like what we've decided to do, they're going to respect what we're doing mm-hmm. because they're going to see that we're leading from here.
3: Right.
2: So, so I did get married. Um, I did have three sons during that time. I did finish my undergrad and my master's with my three sons,
0: Oh, and what what was that also, is? right? Ah, wow, <laughs> well, yeah, what, I remember, what was that? What, I remember
2: walking in <laughs> and telling my son's father, I remember walking into the house, I think I'd been at the market and I walked in and I had, uh, I think Cam was, Cam was probably three. So he is my eldest. And then Mace was just under him. Cam and Mace came like a year apart. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had Brett yet. Brett was still, you know, he was a he was a forethought. Mm-hmm. And um, so I walked in and I said, "Look, I'm going to finish my degree. That's what's going to happen. So you can either be okay with it or not, but I'm doing it." And and I just remember him looking at me like, "What? Who are you?" I'm like, that's "What's <laughs> happening?"
0: I'm July. So- <laughs> yes, that's badass <laughs> so right there. I, so- <clears throat>
2: So I just started applying. I started applying to all these different schools. I started um, looking up, you know, here I was like, you know, um, you know, a mom without a degree Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um, with and I was married to a guy that didn't have a degree. So we didn't have a lot like, you know, we were just kind of we were just kind of like your kind of middle, you know, mid class American family just kind of making it, you know. So I started looking at looking at different programs and just started applying for scholarships figuring out. And I had, um, an advisor reach out to me and I remember meeting him the first time and him saying to me, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I've got like two years of religious school. I really need you to take as many credits of those as you can, man. Cause those were rough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got to talk about that first. Cause that's a, I that was, that was a lot of time and energy on my part. And, um, secondly, um, I want to do something really edgy whatever it's going to take for me to stay hot in the market. Like you tell me what that is. And that's what I'm going to go study. And he was like, how about, how about technology? I said, like, all right, done. Let's do it. So that's when I, that's how I decided on, I mean, I literally backed into the whole technology uh-huh. thing. It wasn't like a passion, or, but I figured, you know what, if it's hot, I'll, I'll get excited about it. It'll be a move. Let's just try it. Let's go. So I, I ended up getting my um, I ended up signing up for like the information systems, information science degree program which he told me at the time was the hardest one they had so oh. I was like all right well Challenge try it. <laughs> go,
1: I mean, did you enjoy right? that was it tough you
2: know yeah you know um, I definitely have always had a love hate relationship with technology Christian because and that's a great question because I think at my at my core I'm I'm a much more human centric person like I love <laughs> human connection right the and technology yeah technology sometimes pulls at that you know we create these barriers from human connection so you know there were parts of the classes that i loved i learned pretty quick that i loved strategy i loved like art of the possible i loved big picture thinking which is all sort of technology you know what what can we do with this crazy stuff mm-hmm. and um and this would have been you know, so I finished that degree in 03. So think about like the timing of all that, you know, this would have been around the Clinton era, right. you know, so kind of a wild mix mm-hmm. going on there. Um, and I think, I think what I figured out was that that's when I learned how you have to really find the people who have strengths that are different than yours.
3: Mm-hmm. Because
2: there were people in my class that were super technical. And I was like, you? you and me, we're going to figure some stuff out because yeah. I am not technical and you are.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I'm
2: going to work, we're going to work together and I'm going to, I don't know, bake cookies, write your shit, <laughs> proofread <Yeah>. it, <laughs> whatever I got to do. Cause yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to finish this with an, with an honors diploma. So, um, so that's what happened. I finished that. I finished that. And, uh, and actually when I walked across the stage to get my undergrad, I was... I was four months pregnant with Brett.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and then you got your master's.
2: <laughs> I did. Oh, did, I did you
0: go right back? Did you
1: go right back for your grad school I, or did you?
2: I, You know what? I thought about it, but I'll tell you, during that whole process of discovering all those things about myself, um, um, my son's father um, decided that he also wanted to go back to school. So when... I finished my undergrad. He needed some more time, so I really needed to play a support role for him mm-hmm. to be able to finish. So I kind of took a step back and and supported him through the finishing of his if his undergrad. Awesome. And um yeah, it was a really good learning experience. It, you know, sometimes it teaches you, you know, you got to lean forward sometimes and sometimes you got to right. lean back, you know, and that looks different different times of life. So doing, doing a little bit of that. And then I ended up teaching, um, uh, and doing some corporate training while, you know, so fun story. The, um, the day before I had Brett, I was in the classroom teaching <laughs> instructional CRM design. I was in a classroom and I walked in and the, and the students were like,
0: Oh my gosh, aren't you due
2: tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> are you doing here? Like this is crazy. Do we need to go boil some water? Like what do we need to do? And I was like, oh my you know gosh. what when when he when he when when he well, when 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 this baby, I didn't know he was a boy, I should have figured it out, right? The law of averages. but um, but when this baby gets here, this baby will get here. We're I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, we're just gonna get this class in because I gotta figure this stuff out. So so we we finished the class and then I think Brett came. He was a couple he was a couple days after that he he came along early morning he was an early morning arrival so so you you go um,
0: through i mean it sounds like you're, you know your background has a huge role in the kind of person you are today and we've got your yeah. earlier story and now i'm curious yeah. at, at what point in your life is, is the most interesting question i like to ask all of our guests yeah. at what point yeah. first of all did athletics become what what you decided was going to be your passion your focus yeah. And mm-hmm. at what point did you go from, um, I don't know exactly what your careers were before, you know, recruiting? So mm-hmm. I guess if you can go through mm-hmm. that, and then how you got yeah. to recruiting, and then if you can give us, for you sure. know, your quick two-minute pitch on uh, Athleta, and then we can kind of talk for about sure. that a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's that's how we met. That's how it all, exactly. we, all figured, we figured it out, right? And, exactly. and then, as a reciprocal, I've met Christian. So this is good yeah. stuff. <laughs> Yeah. So if I take us from that point where, um, where I was, where I was teaching, I was teaching college. Um, that was actually through a network. You know, I mm-hmm. knew somebody who said, Hey, I think you'd be really good at this. When, uh, w- as when I had cam cams, my eldest, he's, he's the big one as we like to call him. Cause he's, he's, uh, uh not quite as tall as you Mason, but, um, <laughs> But, you know, a big, thick kid. I don't know where these I don't know where these uh, recessive genes came from.
0: But, it happens um, that way. I'm six foot six. There. The tallest person in my family, right. six foot one and a half or six two. So who, no one really right. knows See, we just knows my mom him, right. makes the joke that it was the mailman, so
2: right. I like that. Or the UPS driver, you know, pick one. One of those guys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, when I had cam, I recognized that um, that he was a pretty special kid you know it 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 doesn't take much to figure out like when your kid is watching entire football games and he's only two that there's yeah. like something going on there like there's a real passion going on he couldn't even say football players names right but he would talk about them all the time <laughs> so like this would have been you know remember we were we were in the midwest right so we yeah. we did watch a lot of bears oh, yeah. games and and colts games and and probably would college use, too Yes, lots of college. Yes, yes. So so I remember him saying like um Payden Manny. Like he couldn't even say his name right. Peyton Manny. And then he would call um, I think at the time uh Manning had a great, I think it was um, I think it was Edrin James was one ben of James. his yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cameron would call him Ederson James. Like he never <laughs> could say his name right. So we would we would laugh about this. Like we had this kid that um, that, you know, couldn't even speak in full sentences, but he would try to say these big football players. Right. And, uh, and, and it, and it really kind of became a thing. Um, he would, I mean, he studied the game from a very young age and,
0: uh, that's what and, sparked and you on, on, that the was athletic. really
2: right. I mean, having a kid that really, uh, was, was a high potential, Yeah, you and know? had a passion um, about it and had a super passion. Yeah. The kid, he would drag me to any and all um, signups, he knew when the signups were. Somehow, magically, <laughs> he figured it out. You know, I wasn't able to not get him signed up on time. You know, <laughs> drag me to different things, and 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 it really just kind of became a passion of mine as well mm-hmm. because I learned a lot about what sports does. And you know, to answer that question directly, like how does how did athletics play into it? I think it really was for me. Um, A mind meld of being a high performer, like just always wanting to take things to another level, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something you can't teach somebody, people either do, you know, or they don't. And, you know, I think that was where where the magnetism came from was just thinking about what makes somebody what makes somebody that kind of a human? Like what are the, it's attributes an alluring that
0: feature. Yeah. It's, it's, it, is. it brings people towards you. Yeah. And, and so it definitely makes it sense is. why that would be, you know, become your passion. And then, yeah. so after teaching you had, where, where, where'd you go from yeah. there?
2: Well, from there I jumped in, I jumped into grad school. So
0: yeah.
2: kind of in the, it was fun. Brett and I started I started grad school and he started kindergarten on the same day. <laughs>
0: That's a so, cool day. That's
3: a
2: pretty yeah, cool yeah. day. We, we literally packed two lunches, one for kindergarten, and one for grad school. <laughs> That's cute.
0: That's and, really and cute. And off we
2: went. Off we went. And, uh, and when I got to grad school, I'll tell you, I had no idea. Another one of those aha moments. I had no idea the kind of things that I was capable of doing until I got there and started recognizing that I could hang with these with these other humans, and I could do a pretty decent job of hanging with them. So, um, while in grad school, I was able to do a fun round of case competitions. So that's the crazy thing about B school—like you do all these crazy-ass case competitions where they give you this real complicated storyline about a business that's failing and something major is happening. You have to solve all these problems oh my looking God. at it backwards. It's insane, <laughs> <laughs> but I got really good at that so good at that that i ended up qualifying for a national competition with two other people from my class we went to vegas and won a few thousand dollars
0: i i i just
1: gotta gotta say something i mean your story from like growing up as a a, in a religious background going to a religious school to where you are like in the story now is that that's amazing you know it's it's crazy crazy. just just of
0: dive in head first and find out a bunch about this yeah i don't know christian When and i first met it was an immediate connection because of what she said there's people Mm -hmm. who you know do and there's people who don't and there's you can't really teach it and Mm -hmm. we were immediately um you know interested in maintaining that relationship after Mm -hmm. we found the job Mm -hmm. that i was looking for Because like she said, you want to surround yourself around people like that who have Mm -hmm. different talents and qualities than you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just a good network to be a part of. Yeah.
2: It is. And it's rare. I mean, I honestly think that one of the things I've learned, Mason, to kind of get back to your question about how did I how did I find the whole like high performance athlete recruiting thing? Like, where did that gig come from? Mm Because it's certainly not. It doesn't have a strong technology play. You can see that it didn't, it didn't necessarily, I mean, it did mesh with Cameron's experience because he ended up going on to play college football. He ended up getting injured um, while a college football player. We ended up going through a lot of, of reckoning with what he was going to do with his life with surgeries and therapy, you know, moving through all of that as his like number one, I got your back you know, my kid, right? Yeah. Um, And
0: I I wonder if subconsciously, because now, and we'll get to Athleta, but now what you're doing is we we're helping college athletes transition when the sports um, side doesn't work out for professional, the professional side. And I wonder if maybe subconsciously, you know, you saw your son go through that pain. And if I know you and I know my mom, you guys probably felt, you know, when I'm going through pain, Mm -hmm. I know that my mom's pain is worse than mine. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. I wonder if, you know, that had a big role to play in in your passion for helping college athletes nowadays,
2: a thousand percent. I mean, it was one of the biggest fires that was lit inside watching Mm -hmm. him because seeing someone, and I'm certain you both can recognize this, someone who's very gifted at one thing. Um, and you know, had the academics to back it up, you know, had kind of the package Mm -hmm. and then finding, uh, finding that experience on the flip side of that, which is, you know, I can barely, I can barely think during class, Uh, these concussions are overwhelming my brain. I can't play my sport anymore. I have no fucking clue what I'm going to do with my life now. And it's just, you know, a constant spin was just, was not something I had ever prepared myself for. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know. So my thought was, damn it! I don't want another kid to go through this. This was this was gut wrenching to watch my own son walk all the way all the way through that experience. And thank God I had the ability to be there for him. In fact, I switched my career just to make sure that I could do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, because after grad school, I did run. I did run a couple of large. Um, uh, iterations, uh, moves, career moves where I was traveling. I was in pharma. I was a consultant at Ernst and Young, KPMG, um, and then did a couple of large engagements uh, around service management with with a big company out in San Diego. Yeah, jumping and so around. I did a lot of, yeah, I did a lot of jumping around right after grad school because honestly, it was like I could just say, you know, I want to change jobs, I'm kind of bored, and I could get another offer and I yeah. could get another offer and I could get another offer and I could just I understand kind of, I
0: could, that a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, you do, right? Cuz you're kind of experiencing yeah. that right now. You're yep. like, "You know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I think I'm going to figure out something else." So, just thinking about all those, I mean, all that stuff was great. I mean, it's funny because there's so many movies like Clooney made this movie called Up in the Air about consultants who fly around and we do all these fancy things and really it's honestly a hard working gritty grind where you're pretty lonely most of Mm -hmm. the time. And it's not something that you see on the flip side. Now it did teach me a lot about resilience. It did teach me a lot about bouncing back. So I am thankful that I had that experience because um, that was, that was like another level of grad school on a certain point. I learned theoretically how to do things in school, but then applying it to like real world company problems you know, case case study after case study yeah. where I'm actually the one having to implement all this shit
0: was a big, huge. It's not just uh, for a grade. It's to actually change right. and fix, and right. maybe, you know, save right. a business or, or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Millions and, of dollars on the line. And, right. then, <laughs> and then you,
0: so you sure. switched from that career over to yeah. recruiting. And, um, yeah. was that the That's most good. was, was athletes to careers the most recent, uh, besides Athleta that, was is that the yeah. only one you'd ever been with for recruiting? Yeah. And then you, okay, so you're with them for what, eight months? How long was it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, about eight, about eight or nine months when the pandemic hit the fan. Yeah, you and, know? and so
0: let's get into that because that's something that every yeah. single person we've had on here has had their pandemic, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe that's a good opportunity for us to lead into Athleta and what what sure. made you just be like, what the hell, I can do this on my own.
2: Yeah, for sure. I love it. I'll tell you, what, what really drove me to think about Athleta was looking at the experience from an athletes to careers lens because I, I like I liked the model. I like, you know, take an athlete, help them find a career. I like that model. the The tricky thing was I recognized that oftentimes I was finding athletes like like you know, Mason, I think we were an anomaly in this scenario because your mindset was in the right place. But a lot of times the athletes when I was finding them, they were in the experience that my son Cam was having. They were still mm-hmm. in this spin cycle move. Right. So my brain was saying, Well, my God, if I can find these athletes and start to help them shift their brains earlier and maybe even create like two tracks, you know, here's my athletic track, here's my professional track, and mm-hmm. run them like this, then perhaps it's not as big of a damn deal when they suddenly have to take that next track yeah you know it's not it's like they go like this instead of instead of doing like bumper cars and like banging into things yeah parallel
0: lines instead of instead of just running into each other all over the place
2: (laughs) exactly so what i recognized was that really the model with a to c or athletes to careers was more of a catch them on the end flip them over to to a career and Mm -hmm. and there was about a I don't know. if you think about you and I, we probably had what two months
0: It, it was about a two month process before I had mm-hmm. an offer,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, so that worked for you. But I'll say that a lot of athletes, that's not enough time for them well, to wrap and their head. you have to remember Correct. when I met
0: you, I had already had a job for a year and a half. so I was right. already my you know my brain was out of that athletic world, and I was over it, that's and I was point. excited to be in the business world. so that maybe yeah. that's why you and I mm-hmm. were able yeah. to do yes. that. But that's you know, point. like you said, Guys, Christian, it coaches them all the time. And I played with them. You've seen them. We all we all know them. Mm-hmm. Their their mm-hmm. heads are just in a circle right now. We've been there. And um mm-hmm. yeah, continue. It's keep hearing about it.
2: It's a no, it's a tough place. It's a tough place. And so what I started to see was like there's research around this. I mean, it's not just like where my head was going. I was like, damn, there's actual numbers, hard numbers that mm-hmm. tell me things about, about D1 athletes, and then you start looking at the different kinds of athletes that are out there. And so while with A to C, I started looking at, I think I got up to around 700 or so different athlete profiles, just kind of looking um, some of them deeper, like the relationship we've had, some of them at a more surface level. Um, But I was learning a lot of, and this kind of goes back to grad school, like what's the real problem? Like, that's what you learn. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: What is the actual problem I'm trying to solve? yes, it is a problem with what's the transition look like, but what are the barriers? What are the root cause challenges that keep us stuck? And how do I help them become unstuck with like an excitement to get unstuck, not just like pulling teeth and like extracting like a root canal, but more like, all right, let's go, let's figure this out. And um, so I learned a few things. I learned that Well, I, first of all, I learned that there were half a million NCAA eligible athletes across the country. So if you look at like the big amount, that's a lot of, that's a lot of humans, right? That's, that's freshmen to senior. A lot of,
0: a lot of confused humans,
2: (laughs) (laughs) a lot of confused humans. Yes. Half a million of them. Um, I also realized that 86% of all D1 athletes have lived at one point below the poverty line so they're not all coming which blew my yeah, mind i was that's, like that's incredible. fuck wow yeah. so i'm i'm not looking at kids that have like this huge capital you know parents running fortune 500 yeah. companies running around with mercedes and bmw's in their driveway no no these are kids that are coming from some pretty remember my background like just barely making it yeah. in the midwest girl <laughs> They're coming from like a normal, like maybe even rough background. Yeah. They're just really good at something and they're getting these offers, but they have no idea what to do with themselves once they've got it. Yep. So kind of recognizing like the amount of humans, the kind of human that I'm working with. And then I started double clicking into some of the things that I learned around um. You know, guys, I believe are are, are graduating at like a seventy percent graduation rate. So athletes graduate at a higher rate than normal undergrads, which blows my mind considering the amount of
0: that actually is of t-
2: time management challenge. I'm surprised right?
0: by that stat. Actually, sure. that's that's actually sure. really surprising. It's good to mm-hmm. know.
2: It's like right at seventy percent for guys. Girls, okay, so we kind of out it's seventy eight.
0: Uh, so I mean, girls-, <laughs> girls are smarter, so it's yeah, all right. Girls, are, better anyway. <laughs> girls <laughs> are smarter. It's all right. We don't have a problem admitting that. <laughs> no, it is
2: what it is, right? It is what it is. So just recognizing like, the, like these are some gritty, resilient humans graduating, getting their degrees, have no idea what they're going to do with their lives. Um, tons and tons and tons of, to your point, Mason, confused, but incredible people out there. And like, what can we really do? What can we do to ignite this the set of ideas around them. Um, right. So, when I started to think about that, it became less, and I think this is proof of what we're doing right now, Mason. Became less of a transactional relationship, and it became more of a transformational relationship mm-hmm. because I didn't want to just find you something and say, "All right, peace, I'm out. I'll see you in a few years when you're when you're when you're you know pissed off at your boss." Uh, no, I wanted to find a way to have an ecosystem or a community that continued to promote the same things that we were starting to see, you know? You know, we
0: talk about community on here all the time. Uh, Mostly it's about Twitch community, which I've spoken to you about Twitch, and you're now familiar with the whole streaming and content creation. love it. Um, possibly sometime in the future athlete alive moves to a public profile on Twitch and we do some live streaming. That'd be sick.
1: That'd be pretty cool. Um, And then, you know,
0: once more people hear about us, um, yeah. but you know, we are creating a community and we do our own type Mm -hmm. of content creation. You've got a Mm -hmm. YouTube channel. We've got our content Mm -hmm. out there. And Mm -hmm. I love that word ever since starting this podcast community has been my number one favorite word because it goes along with Mm -hmm. the word network. And um Yeah. And and what we do at Athleta is like you said, you got, you didn't get me a job. You introduced me to a job, helped me, you know, make sure I was prepared for it. And then we got the job. But uh, after that, as you can tell, we still talk almost on a daily basis. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing with Athleta is once they have, like you said, that transformation from college athlete to corporate world, business world or whatever their Mm -hmm. dream is next, Mm -hmm then they come into athleta and then they tell their story and they help someone do that. So nice. it's it's like a, a compounding the more people mm-hmm. that we get Recycle. in the bigger yeah we're recycling mm-hmm. but in a positive you know a really positive yeah. way to help yeah. more and more people.
2: That's right. That's right. And it's it's almost like a stream instead of a pond, mm-hmm. right? So we're consistently flowing our our ideas and evolving the way we're thinking. I mean, right now with the pandemic, literally work is being disrupted on a regular basis. Right. We get the opportunity right now to think up the way work will look next. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am convinced that this generation, I've been thinking so much about Gen Z. Like that's that's my passion is like, where does Gen Z really start to disrupt things? Right, Uh, because there's a lot of social media
1: (laughs) and it almost feels like we're almost now pivoting and life is going to look totally different than it did the last 10 years you know and it's 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 kind of i i I could see it be a little scary but it's kind of it's kind of exciting to see where we can go from here you know when we make all these changes in society you know like you said we're disrupting Mm -hmm. society right now so
2: literally Literally. I mean, I started grad school in 09, which was right after the 08 recession. I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you two have studied this. Like our, our economy was in the shit. It was terrible. Uh, the housing market had crashed. Like there were lots of people laid off. It was a mess. Yeah. And then if you look at some of the reciprocals Uber Uber came from that recession. Mm-hmm. Airbnb came from that right. recession. The whole fucking gig economy came yeah. from that recession. Like this is what's gonna happen again. We're just in that mix again. And we just gotta take it and we just right. gotta own it.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: that's the things when I think about what we're trying to figure out is you gotta have the right people doing it, right? Because at that mindset thing, we can't teach people right. like how to be resilient, how to be confident, how to just run at shit. Like that's the stuff I can't teach. But once mm-hmm. I find a person, woo, we can expose them to yeah. all sorts of different opportunities that are right. out there. We, and, we talk and, and a lot better. about
1: community. We Like like Mason said, it's, it's a lot about community. And I say it all the time. Life is all about relationships, you know, mm-hmm. who you know, and the relationships come from, you know, talking, communication, and trust, you know?
3: So mm-hmm. is there
1: someone that you had in your life Kind of a relationship Mm. or mentor, friend, father, whatever Mm -hmm. it was to Mm -hmm. kind of guide you or help you to wherever you got, wherever you've gotten today.
2: Oh gosh. I mean, absolutely. Um, There's no way, like there's no way in hell anyone does anything like this by themselves. Like it's just not possible. And what I have learned, Christian, honestly, is that the people that have helped me are not, they are the ones that are different than me. Like that has been the aha is that those who are fearless enough to tell me, like, look, there's another way to look at this, then I have to be willing to take that and accept it as a gift and pivot my own thinking, have honestly been the ones that have helped me transform my thought process. So crazily enough, if I think about mentors in my past, I would say, yes, I had a couple of great professors. If I start with that, I had a a great professor. He's now a, a principal at Ernst & Young. He's running like their whole digital transformation practice, Justin Grease. Great guy. Uh, really kind of, he told me in grad school, he said, the world is your oyster. I'd never had anyone say that before. The world is your oyster. I was like, it is? <laughs> it was just like an and then,
0: and then you're like, oh, oh shit, it is. And then now okay, the world is your is. oyster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. But I tell that, I pay that forward a lot now. When I'm talking to our athletes, I'll say that. The world is your oyster because it's true we get to make those decisions about what we're going to do to show up for each other and for for our for our next set of passion and i think that's so true christian community is huge mentorship is huge i think about justin i think about a couple of my r- professors ramesh uh Karim, a beautiful man um actually taught me how to drink like socially drink because remember i was in a i was in a religious community where we didn't drink so i had to learn how to socially drink in order to do this next thing
0: important it's an important thing to know
2: (laughs) so he did i had a professor teach me how to socially drink so that was cool hey Uh, that's so
0: me because
1: my girlfriend gets mad at me all the time i drink beer like it's a gatorade or something like a soda
3: (laughs) oh no you're one of those boys huh (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) So that that's yeah, you funny. gotta learn gotta learn how to savor that you gotta learn how to savor <laughs> that man <laughs> oh. and then uh the man that's the running that program now Biffin Prabhakar another one of those great guys taught me really taught me what my what my edge was because I was in classes with him that were not my strength and I learned how to manage on the edge like how do you you know um how do, you still, how do you stay a good mom to three boys, go through grad school, do your finals, recruit for different companies, you know, pay it forward in the community all at one time. And so mm. I learned a lot through that. As I went into the, uh, the, the California market, Mason, which is when I met you, um, what I learned was that I needed more disruptive thinkers. And that's where I kind of started this whole conversation about finding people who were different than me. And so when I look at Athleta, it was very important to me that we have, that my personal board of directors is, is constantly disrupting my thinking. So I'm mm-hmm. looking for people who are not like me, who don't have my background, who don't have my experiences, but are still brave enough to tell me the truth. Yeah. And so if I, you know, so one of the gentlemen that's on our board uh, was one of my professors in grad school, Jared Beard. He's a, an executive at Salesforce,
3: mm-hmm.
2: wonderful man an ally for all the things that we're doing. I think about Tracy Hathaway, Dr. Hathaway is finishing a PhD in sports leadership, focusing on uh, women of color as they go through athletics, and mm-hmm. what the barriers are for women specifically and women of color. Incredible uh, thought leader in my life. Like she's constantly sitting my shit straight, you know? Uh, which is good, because I need yeah. I need people like that. I need to understand what the message needs to sound like. Um, Uh, Terry, Terry Billen is another one of those entrepreneur has done global company reorganizations in her lifetime, worked with lots and lots of, uh, overseas organizations and, um, just something that I've never done, you know, so having, having people like that, um, has been really important to me. Sonal is another one that I met while at Lily. So I was a tech strategist for Lily for about four Mm -hmm. years. And that was the end of my like big corporate stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, But uh, Sonal came in and taught us EQ. So that was the first time I really learned what emotional intelligence meant. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the things we teach our athletes, and I think that's what I'm picking up on from you guys is you're, it's like feeding off of the energy that's in the room, being Mm -hmm. very aware of what's happening around you, being able to have a conversation that is giving value to everyone who's listening. Sometimes it might challenge the way that human's thinking, and it should, but it should also engage their brain in some kind of a different way. So EQ was something that Sonal kind of blew me away with, wanted her on our board. She's South Asian, so that was another very unique conversation. My God, her parents got here to the US when she was seven and they had seven dollars in their pocket when they got here. Oh my god. So right? So people like that, you know, like what?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> these are like these aren't just movies, like these are real people, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and then and, um
0: well, I mean, so you that's a great thing. That's a great point to make, is that surrounding yourself with people who just think differently than you. Because I like to think of myself, you know, the term a jack of a jack of all traits and a master of none, right? I'm really good at a few things, video games being one of them, right? I need people who are really good at structure and can keep me in line. And I need, I'm, I'm also really good about communicating my feelings, but I'm not very good about communicating them in a way that might resonate. It might piss someone off when I do it. And Christian can, he's laughing because he knows. I tell people all the time, I'm a great friend, but I'm also a very difficult friend to have because I'm, I'm all over the place all the time and I have a creative mm-hmm. mind. So mm-hmm. I need friends that, you know, structure me. Yep. And, and that's yep. one of the reasons I have Christian here because I might propose an idea and he might just be like, dude, that's just stupid uh, no. or that's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. And, and you know, yeah. I, I yeah. choose people very selectively on who I let into my life mm-hmm. um, to, you know, into, into my life. I have a lot of friends, but I'm very mm-hmm. selective on the, that inner circle. Um, and sure. I always pick people who have similarities to me and we get along, but at the same time, my, my biggest weaknesses are their strengths. So
2: mm, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Beautiful it is. Thing. And, and what about, um you know, Athleta's just launched. So what would you say mm-hmm. one year, five year, 10 year, what would you say is, is your, your biggest hope for Athleta? Yeah.
2: Well, I, already, I can tell you, cause I had to stand in front of a grant review board and <laughs> Say this shit out loud.
0: <laughs> We've got a script already planned.
2: <laughs> well, in my brain, I'm like, wow. I mean, when they asked me, like, what are you going to do in five years? You know, we're we're looking at like the Schuster Foundation, the Gates Foundation, Amazon, Salesforce, all all helping us make this stuff really go from a technology and from a resource capital lens.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I want to help ten thousand athletes in five years. Okay. I want to help ten thousand, and so that has a varied mix. I think there's, I think there's definitely this concept around um, capitalizing on a gritty, resilient mindset, you know, that, that champion framework that we've, we've Mm -hmm. circled around a lot today. Um, That oftentimes comes from an athlete that has a first generation background like you, Mason, Um, someone who's able to think disruptively like you, Christian, someone who's perhaps not from a, Um, you know, from a from a privileged background. Um, And so we do, we do attract, I think right now, we're about 73% diverse in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's been important to me, because I think if we're going to transform the future of work to what you said earlier, Christian, we have to invite other people into this transformational experience with us. And we have to shatter a glass ceiling that's been around for too damn long. Right. So we've got to figure out ways to make this look different. So ten thousand athletes in five years. Um, we want to launch in this next in this next uh, three hundred and sixty-five days. We want to launch programs in five states. So right now we're looking at California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Texas, and Indiana.
0: I knew you're going to say Indiana. How yeah. to get it in there?
2: you know, it is Love what it, it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Close to home. Well, yeah. And, it's and my, you know, my, like you said, it's my heritage five-year plan, 10,000 athletes. And we mentioned earlier, we retain athletes. So That's right. every single time you get one athlete, let's think of it as, you know, five, and then we we help mm-hmm. that person and they're going to help the next five. And so right. while we might only have helped 10,000 on paper, we probably help a hundred thousand as just build a network, you know? So if we can do that, you know, it's, it's compounding, like we said, so.
2: That's right. That's right. I'm
0: excited. That's
2: right. I'm really excited.
0: And, and, you know, I I do want to wrap up here and I want to mention, we've already spoken about this offline, but I want to mention in the episode. Um, Mm -hmm. Christian, if you want to go ahead and cover the uh, women's basketball coaches that we're planning on having uh, Jelana back on for, for a co-host to talk about. um, Christian, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: later this week, we'll talk about with the uh, two amazing women's UCSD basketball coaches. We'll talk a little bit about their career and their path, because I think they're I mean, they they both killed it in their careers, you know, like player of the year type. And now they're actually doing some stuff for racial injustice and racial racial changes. So um, I think that'll be good for us to kind of, you know, all talk about that. And mm-hmm. I think if someone we can segue that to Athleta Jelana, I think that, that could be really powerful.
0: Absolutely. Jelana, I was also mm-hmm. gonna mention um either before or after whatever order it comes in, it'd be cool to have mm-hmm. um Christian's friends maybe on an Athleta Live event might be I a really, that. really, really cool opportunity. A
2: thousand percent. A thousand percent. Let's let's think about like a like something either um either holiday or maybe like first of the year, you know, like break open twenty twenty one with some badass women from yeah they UCSD. are I love are. that I Absolutely. love
0: that well Jelana thank them you them. thank you so much um we will yeah. we'll obviously be in contact <laughs> probably every <laughs> day this week
3: <laughs> right
0: <laughs> but thank you great. for coming I, on your your story yeah. is um I, I can't wait to share it with whoever is willing to and wants to listen yeah, um Let's I think it's it. inspirational and I, I hope Let's that this helps Athleta and I hope that if just yeah. one college athlete listening to this Uh, hears about it. Hopefully it can help them as well.
2: That's right. And I appreciate both of you. You both are the kind of men we need on this planet to transform what we're going to do next together. So thank you for standing there with me and locking arms.
0: We'll be here. Let's make this happen.
2: All right. We'll be here. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Got it. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.